today we're going to talk about um, about the resurrection, but in a way that's that's a little different. I gave you a rock as you came in. Who did not get a rock? All right, be notified at this church. We will rock you. <laughs> if you did not get a rock and still needs to get rocked, let us supply you with a rock. All right. I'm reading from Mark 15. It says, Joseph, this is not Joseph, the father of Jesus. This is Joseph of Arimathea. He was a, um, just a man, that, uh, a wealthy man, who had been looking for the Messiah to come. The Bible says he's been searching for the kingdom. Uh, and he realized uh, about Jesus, and he was, he was there. And, 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 and he, the Bible says he took courage, and he asked if he could go and take the body of Jesus and bury it. It was about to be Sabbath, and the Jews on Sabbath, they're not allowed to do a lot of work, and especially not bury people. And so it was important that Jesus was laid to rest um, before the Sabbath would arrive. And so the Bible says he, he took courage. In other words, he, he was willing to identify himself as somebody that was uh, in affiliation with Jesus, or at least sympathetic towards Jesus. But Pilate granted him his request and gave him the body of Jesus. He went and he laid this body in a tomb that had been, that had been cut out of a rock. And then the Bible says he laid the body of Jesus there, and he rolled a big stone against the entrance of the tomb. I want to talk to you today about the significance of stones and rocks in Scripture. Now, this rock that I gave you is going to be a reminder of many things. And it can be, after the service, a different different things for each and every one of us. This rock can literally be an offense to you today. But my hope is that it won't be. It can be a reminder of what we are and who we are without Christ. But my hope here today is that this rock will be a testimony of God's goodness to you. That this rock will help you see how, and how much Jesus has already done for us. Like I said, this rock can be a barrier that keeps you from your victory, from your freedom, that keeps you from a relationship with God. This rock can be, it can be a tradition. It can be a sin. It can be so many things that are keeping you in the effects of death, the effects of the curse. But today, as you will see, that Jesus has a purpose with a rock. What you make of this rock is yours to decide today. But as long as you keep this rock, I'm hoping that this rock will actually speak to you. Now, you can choose how long you're going to keep it, or you can (laughs) dump it in the trash as you walk out. I hope that you keep this rock around, because this rock will be a a powerful reminder for you today of what we said here. Scripture talks a lot about rocks. God uses the metaphor with such spectacular effect. I can never do justice about everything that in Scripture that rocks represent, but I want to show you just a little bit here today um, of... uh, of what rocks and stones represent and how that impacts you and me on Resurrection Sunday. The first thing we see in Scripture is that the rock is a metaphor pointing to Christ. In Exodus 17, the Israelites are in the desert and they haven't been 
getting water to drink and they're thirsty and they're about to get into a crisis where their thirst will lead to serious things like death. In Exodus 17.3 it says, The people thirsted there for water and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock without thirst? Verse 5 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take your hand, in your hand the staff which you used to strike the Nile. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. God is leading Israelites through the desert and he tells Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come and meet me on the rock. That rock was on the mount, mountain called Horeb and it's also called the mountain Sinai. This is the same mountain where the Israelites receive the Ten Commandments from God. This mountain has significance because it is a place where God chose to show his presence to, the, to humanity. Not only did he show his presence to humanity, his desire was for humanity to come and connect with him at this place. This was to be a place of relationship. Unfortunately, Israel rejected this offer. They said, no, it's too terrifying for us when we saw the, t the, 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 the presence of God. Let's just assign Moses to go and experience God on our behalf. And he will come and tell us what we must do. And our relation with God would basically just be transactional. You do so, I will do. It's the basis of religion of today. It's not an interaction with God that is based on a personal encounter that results from a relationship. It's basically just somebody else having an experience or a relationship or interaction with God and me just going, okay, so what does he want from us? What does he want us to do? And I will try best to do as much as I can of that. With that question comes always, what's the minimum standard? What must I do to get in? Because after that, that's where my interaction ends. That's where I stop. That was never God's heart. God's heart was always for each and every one of us, for all of humanity to experience Him personally, to walk in a personal relationship with Him right from the very start when He started leading Israel. He wanted the whole of the nation to encounter Him. But no, they said, no, Moses, you go and experience God for us and we'll just listen to you. But God is constantly bringing them back to this place because God is constantly reminding them that I am making provision for you to encounter me. So he brings them back to this rock and he says to Moses, I will show them again what will happen if they're willing to meet me at this rock. Moses takes that staff and he, uh, he strikes that rock and that rock crush, cracks open and life-giving water flows out. And in that moment, God becomes their savior once again. And it's like he's repetitively bringing them into moments where he's reiterating, I want to be your savior. But see the significance here of the rock. You see, Moses and Israel represents humanity. God represents 
and is the Holy Spirit, but also the Father. He is leading humanity to what? The rock. Who's the rock? The rock is Christ. A little later, Moses is, 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 is fed up with the Israel's reluctance to, to respond to this invitation from God and to stay faithful to God. And he asks God, Lord, what will I do with this obstinate people? And, 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 and God is, a, is about to tell Moses, look, I've had enough too. You know what I'll do? I'll be faithful to my word. I will give them the promised land. I will allow them to enter into what I promised their forefathers to enter into, but my presence will not go with them. Moses, in his great wisdom, realizing that the thing, that the actual reason why it all was, what God created, was that we will have relationship with him. He says, Lord, we won't do this. At least I won't do this. I'm not taking this people into the promised land if you do not come with us. And so in that minute, God said, all right, I will relent of my plan. Isn't it incredible how man can change God's mind? I just found that fascinating. One person with a true relationship with God can literally intercede on behalf of our whole nation and change God's heart and mindset and plan for that nation. Do you realize what God can do through a congregation? That stance is, Lord, save our nation. Do not reject us. Do not consider our sin and remove your spirit from us. Let me tell you something about America. Y'all are a light to the nations. So many missionaries, so many Christian charitable work have gone out from this place. And right now, we might perceive this place as being on a nice. Let me tell you, God's plan for this place isn't done yet. God still wants to use this place for the light of His gospel to reach the nations. And y'all are all Americans in this place, and that means you are called to that purpose too. We are called out of this church to be a light to the nations. Not just to our immediate surroundings, but by the grace of God, we will be effective here too. God grants Moses his wish and says to him, I will come with you. I won't reject the, the, the Israelites. I will, my presence will go, go with you. And in verse 17, he, he says that, because you, Moses, have found favor in my sight. Oh, that we might be a people that God will find, that we, will, we might find favor in God's sight. I pray that, 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 that God's favor, will, that is unfair, will just be rested on this congregation of people. That we will see it in our lives. That we will see it in our workplaces. We will see it in our communities. That the favor of God on, on, are on us. Where the favor of God is, God's presence just shows up. And where God's presence goes, incredible things can happen. So Moses, in this immense moment where God changes his mind and, and tells him, you have found favor in my sight. Moses, don't go, okay, my objective was reached. I got what I came for. Because Moses did not serve God because he just wanted stuff of God. Moses served God because he truly encountered in him a friend, a companion, a father. Moses wants more. How many of you are, are reaching out 
to God saying, Lord, is there more of you that I can yet experience? Moses asked the question, please let me see your glory. Let me see something about you that's new. Let me see something about your truth that I have not yet experienced. But let me see your glory is the question he asks. God responds and says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said to Moses, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. Something we need to understand here about, about, about the scripture is that Moses asked for something radical. The beauty is God doesn't rebuke him for asking radical things from him. God actually meets him in there and tells him what he can do for me. He says, I will show you all my goodness. Moses asks for the glory of God. Now, if you understand the word glory, you realize it's actually the full expression of who God is. Glory is not just, you know, like, you know, when we had just a while ago, a moment of, you know, I get some frissons going. And be, like, like, you know, uh, I, just, I just feel like, man, the presence of God just showed up. Uh, in fact, he was here already um, before we came. He was waiting on us. We weren't waiting on him. Even though when we wait on him, he manifests in a special way personally to each and every one of us. Glory means more than that. Glory is the full weight of God bearing down on a situation. Glory means weightiness. And, and, and the realization that when the glory of God fully descends on a place, it literally crushes everything that does not bear His image. If you think about a car manufacturing plant that, that crushes down on pieces of metal and literally impresses on that metal the form of the panel that's going to be fixed to the vehicle. If there is a nail or a something, you know, impurity in that metal, that press will literally deform that thing and make it conform to the mold's image. And that's the glory of God. And unfortunately, a sinful man, if the glory of God would bear down on Moses, it would crush him. And it would kill him. And God knows this. But yet he responds with such grace to Moses, with such positivity to Moses. I will meet with you. But here's how it's going to have to work. In verse 21, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. <laughs> this is going to, I hope this blows your mind at some point. Okay. I'm already getting the frissons. It says, While my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. I will cover you with my hand until I have passed. And then I will take away my hand and you will see my back and my face shall not be seen. Moses represents humanity. God represents the Holy Spirit and the Father has, who has led us into the place where we might what? Come and meet with Him on the rock. There's one place where God meets with humanity and that's on the rock. 
The beauty of this moment is that God takes Moses, realizing he's sinful, realizing there are things about him that is literally abominable. It's like the anemone issue, right? To him, he doesn't, he doesn't allow the fact that we are enemies of his, that we are impure, to make him draw away from us. No, he comes and he brings covering. Where? In the rock. And he shows the back of his head. Uh, he's back to Moses. You can see his goodness. He hides Moses in the cleft of the rock so that his glory doesn't crush Moses. You realize the beauty of the metaphor that is being expressed in the Old Testament, pointing to the future reality that you and I get to live in every single day. While I was preparing this, I was just so powerfully reminded of that hymn, Rock of Ages. Have you all read the, the, the words of Rock of Ages? It says this. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. Incredible riches in some of these old songs that we don't get enough time to often sing. The guy that wrote this, 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 this hymn was called, not Top Lady, I'm sure it was Top Lady. Uh, you'll, you'll see the, the thing, the, the name there. Augustus Montague. He was born um, in, 19, uh, in 1740. His father was a, a British officer, army officer. His mother was a woman of remarkable piety. And he prepared for the university at Westminster School and subsequently was graduated at Trinity College in Dublin. And at that time, these schools were all Christian schools, and they all taught the Christian religion to people as a part of their tertiary education. But while on a visit in Ireland in, on his, in his 16th year, he was awakened and converted at a service held in a barn. The text was on Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ... Ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh. That's close by the blood of Christ. The beauty of this, this, this story that he says himself is the preacher, the, the preacher that he talks about himself was that the preacher was illiterate. He wasn't a, wasn't a trained theologian. So he quotes, they quote uh, um, Augustus Montague by saying, Strange that I, who had so long sat under the means of grace in England, referring to all the religious training all the theological knowledge that was transferred should be brought nigh unto God in an obscure part of Ireland amidst a handful of God's people met together in a barn and under the ministry of one who could hardly spell his own name surely this is the Lord's doing and that's marvelous he wrote such a deep rendition of his experience of the rock and what the rock did for him. 
There's another hymnist or psalmist, David, who wrote an incredible psalm, uh, incredible psalms that, that reflected the fact that he knew what the significance of the biblical metaphor of the rock meant. In Psalm 61, we hear, hear him saying, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David knew that there was no salvation outside of being led to the rock. In Psalm 78, also a psalm of David, verse 15, he says, He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow like rivers. Verse 35 says, they remembered that God was their rock, the most high, their redeemer. You and I come to the realization in our lives that we are so fickle. There are so many, so many things that just, we just can't keep up. We try our best with our best intentions. Our, our best efforts just fall short of God's glory, God's standard. Our best efforts just never is enough to attain holiness. Rock of Ages says, not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law demands. Could my zeal no respite know, or could my tears forever flow, all for sin they could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. This just blessed me so much. Have you come to the realization that you cannot save yourself? No matter how pious, how good, how religious you are, you will never be good enough to deal with the, 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 the realities of our sin nature. In, in Scripture, the rock often refers to a testimony. It tells a story or it makes a declaration. When Moses was, was meeting with the people, he, Moses cried to the Lord and he said, what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. Sometimes the rock is judgment. In the, in the Old Testament, when they would condemn somebody, they would often stone them to death. And every single rock that would be pelted at that person would be a judgment. It would tell you are guilty and you are condemned. We're going to take a minute now and as Tiger and then prepares to just hand out some Sharpies, I want you to consider what, what is this, what are the judgments that you experience against you? And I want you to actually write it down on that rock. We have enough Sharpies so that there'll be at least one for every two people, but, but take a while right now and I just ask God to also show you what words have people spoken against you? Judgments that have been laid at your door. So you're not good enough. You're too messed up. God cannot forgive you for this. You made too big a mistake. You're, you're far beyond what God can recover. Some of you might sit here and this is like your last resort. I want to let you know you've come to the right place. You might sit here and wonder, if this doesn't work for me, I'm about to give up. I want to draw your attention to that rock. 
And I want you to write on that rock. What have you been feeling? Has been telling you you're not enough. You've pushed it too far. What things have told you that you will never be free from this. This sin or this habit or this this consequence, you will never be free from this. Maybe you're experiencing sickness and you've just come to that point where you've given in. I will never be free from this. Sometimes we go through economic situations that we just feel like, man, I can ne- oh, am I ever going to be free from this? Every time you, you look at your life and there's a rock that's blocking you from breaking out of that situation, breaking free from that situation. It's like that rock that was locking Jesus in that grave. Maybe you're struggling with sin, lust, pride, greed, and you think to yourself, I just can't do it. I want you to take that rock now. And we're going to just spend a minute in prayer and contemplation. I want you to write on that thing. Physically write it on the one side of that thing. Keep the other side clear. But write on the one side of that rock. Chris, will you mind just playing a little bit for us in the background while we take a minute? What things have been telling you to just give up? To just accept this and move along with your life? Hampered by it. Trusting y'all had a moment, a moment to write down something. Beauty of of scriptures that 
oftentimes the stones were also testimonies of God's grace. Testimonies of grace. In Joshua 4, 7, it's written, When your children come in time and they ask, What do these stones mean to you? Then tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. That was the presence of God. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Stones tell stories. They make declarations. I hope that today we can write something on this stone that will tell a different testimony for the future. A testimony of God's promises, His faithfulness to His people, bringing them to the land that He committed to them. And then what does that, how does that relate to us? We'll see in a minute. When Jesus entered the Jerusalem and, and people were celebrating Him and shouting, Hosanna to the Most High. The religious leaders of the time demanded that he would rebuke his followers and tell them to, to stay quiet and, and not blaspheme by worshiping him like that. Jesus' response was staggering. The people were saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And they rebuked him. Uh, the, 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 the Pharisees said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. There are stones of judgment and there are stones of grace. And you get today to decide which stone prevails over your life. You get today to decide whether you will come and stand on the rock that is Christ and meet with God. And step into that personal relationship that He wants with you. Or whether the rock that is being brought against you is going to keep you captive and keep you in prison and keep you away from this incredible place that God has called us to be involved, be, um, be in with Him. In 1 Peter 2 verse 4 it says, As you come to Him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. I'm trusting that this rock today don't make you stumble. I'm trusting that it puts you high above so that you can stand and withstand whatever might come your way. You see, when Joseph rolled that stone to lock Jesus' body inside that, that grave, he declared that Jesus was done and that death had won. He said, sin has won. And you know that rock that you have there on you today, it might tell you that your sin has won. And you're done. We all know that's not how history declares it ends, right? That's not how this, how this account of history ends. You see, man declared that Jesus was done, but the angels were declaring, man, he's just beginning. 
He's back, baby. There's a greater reality that all of us are invited to live in. And it's this. Mark 16 says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. See, Jesus was just put in the grave. His body wasn't prepared yet. But because it was Sabbath, they had to kind of let it lay over till the Sunday. And so early the Sunday morning, they went out and they wanted to open up the grave so that they could go, go in and prepare Jesus' body for, for burial, for proper burial. And it says, on the, as they were going, they were saying to each other, who will roll the stone away from us from the tomb? Because when Joseph rolled that stone in front of the grave, locking Jesus' body away, declaring that this is finished, it's done, y'all. They were there. They saw where he was laid. And they were going back there kind of like just hoping that there would be a solution. Sounds a little bit like faith to me. And they were asking, but they were going, but at the same time asking, who's going to roll the stone away? How will we get to Jesus' body? And verse 4 says the most amazing thing. It says, looking up, they saw that the stone had already been rolled away. You might be asking today, who's going to take care of all these judgments for me? Who's going to roll my stone away? I'm here to tell you today. Look up. Look up. It's already been rolled away. It's already been rolled away. And if you will just come with faith, you will see that the stones of your life has already been rolled away. That thing that's holding you back, that thing that you felt you did that was too big for God to forgive, that thing that you feel is too, uh, 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 I'm too stuck in this thing, I can never break free out of it. Whatever it is, that testimony that's against you, I want you to know it's canceled already. And you don't have to do a thing. You don't have to lift a finger. Jesus did it all on your behalf. He did it all on your behalf. But the question is, will you come? Will you come to the rock? That's your decision to make today. Coming to the rock means laying down my plans. Coming to the rock means that I'm not going to depend on my own, um, 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 you know, my own mind, my own ingenuity to figure things out. It means that I'm coming to Jesus. Take your rock right now. Because on the other side, I want you to write a word. Could you put that word up on the screen for us? I need you to write this. As big as your rock will allow, write this word over it. It's tetelestai. It's the words Jesus shouted out on the cross when He declared it's dealt with. Whatever it is that is keeping you a prisoner, that's keeping you captive, that's keeping you down, it's dealt with. He paid the price. And when He said tetelestai, He meant that it is finished. He meant it, y'all. He didn't mean, okay, Tetelesta, but you're still going to have to 
do so many prayers and, 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 and give so much money and, 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 and provide that many services. No. It wasn't tetelestai and something else. It was tetelestai and it was that. It is done. I want to finish our hymn and then pose to you a, an opportunity. The third and fourth verses of Rock of Ages says, Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. While I draw this fleeting breath, when mine eyes shall close in death, when I soar to worlds unknown, see thee on thy judgment throne, rock of ages, cleft for me, and let me hide myself in thee. That's so beautiful. Will you pray that prayer with me today? Lord, let me hide myself in thee. God knows I need it. I hope you realize you need it. Will you stand with me? If you find yourself today at a, at a place where you realize, man, I've never really... I've never really asked God if I can hide myself in Him. I've never really put my full trust in Jesus for my salvation. I've always banked on the fact that I'm a good person. And I reckon I've done better than I've done worse. And I'm just hoping that maybe one day that might mean something. Friends, I saw how the story goes. The story says that He has provided for each of us, each of us a rock. And it's our decision whether we will hide ourselves in it. Whether we will put our faith in Jesus. Because putting your faith in Jesus Christ is the only thing that can hide, that can cover it's the only thing that can amend. It's the only thing that can deal, that can pay. It's the only thing that can make us right with God and give us access to His throne, give us access to heaven. So my question to you today is, have you prayed, Lord, let me hide myself in Thee? Have you hidden yourself in the rock? And if you haven't today, it's your opportunity. If you will choose to hide yourself in the rock of Christ, I want you to put up your hand right now, loud and proud. Jesus was executed publicly for your sake. Publicly recognize Him in this place today. Father, you see each hand. You see each heart represented by each hand. Lord, we put our faith in You and You alone. Not in our good works not even in our good intentions. But Lord, we fall on your grace. 
with empty hands. Realizing we have nothing to offer. Nothing to give. Yet you give it all. Because we put our trust in you. We acknowledge you, God. Can you pray a prayer with me, friends? If this is your decision, and even if it's your second, third, fourth, I don't know how many at decision time, but if it's your first, definitely pray this out loud with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for providing the rock. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in everything you did. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe that you paid for my sin. I believe you beat death on my behalf. And I believe that I can receive life as I hide myself in you today. Cover my sin, Lord. Cover my mistakes. Put in me a new heart, Jesus. A heart that responds by desire to your will. That I might know your desire and want to fulfill it. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. What a God we serve. Amen.